Hi, I'm Jessie, your host of the Jessie Williams podcast. I'm an entrepreneur and business mentor bringing you fun and thought-provoking conversations around money, wellness, business, life, and personal development. This is the space where humor meets depth and no topic is off limits. Let's fuck shit up. Hello, Eleanor, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure to be here. I'm so excited to have a conversation today. And it was interesting because I was thinking like, I'm like, what am I going to even ask? And where's the conversation going to go? Because I feel like even though obviously you're very much in the realm of like sex and pleasure and sexuality, I'm like, I feel like you're a jack of all trades where I'm like, we could talk about threesomes. We could talk about porn. We could talk about self-pleasure. I'm like, there's so many different angles to go down. Um, But before we do, I would love to just hear a little bit about you and just like, yeah, let your audience know who you are and how you got into what you do. Absolutely. So my name is Eleanor Hadley and I'm a certified sex educator and I got into this work, it was a bit of a roundabout way of getting into it, but I always sort of start the story as I used to own a pole dancing studio years and years ago back in Melbourne. And I ran that for about four years and I just loved seeing how transformational sensual movement was for the confidence of so many women that came through my studio. And I got really inspired to create my own movement practice that was less about performance and more about embodiment. And that sort of philosophy kind of underpins everything that I do still to this day. So I sold the studio, started my own movement practice from there, studied coaching, studied sex coaching, and sort of just blossomed into this world of sex and pleasure and embodiment now. Oh my gosh. I love all of that. That's it's so beautiful. And I feel like when you're in working in any realm where you throw out the word sex, right? You use the word sex, How do you feel that you maintain boundaries in that? Because I feel like there can be something specifically for you, but I also feel like a lot of people, even when they start exploring their sexuality or becoming a more sexual person, and maybe even like, I know, fun fact for me, there was a time I couldn't even show cleavage. Like I I remember a time where I'm like, oh God forbid someone like see my boobs out and things like that. And then, you know, at a level where, okay, cool. I feel comfortable showing my boobs now. And I feel like when people either work in, you know, sex education and stuff like that, or people start becoming more open about their sexuality, there can be a level of people thinking they're available to be sexualized. So I would really love to just open up the conversation with what it kind of looks like for you um, in having boundaries within your work and not being available to be sexualized just because you're working within that industry? Oh my goodness, this is such a big and frustrating topic. I've actually done posts in the past that sort of state that just because I am a sex educator doesn't mean I want to have sex with you. Um, And there definitely is that assumption. A lot of people assume that if you are sex positive in any way, that means that you must be up for sex all the time with anyone regardless. And it's just simply not the case. Being sex positive isn't equivalent to having a very, very consistent sex life of your own. It's more about not being shameful of sex. And so I am very, very strong in my boundaries and I will not accept certain types of behavior or comments and I will put people in their place very, very easily um, because I think that it's really important that we understand that sex positivity is about so much more than being available for sex with anybody. We can use our own discretion um, and we can empower other people. We can empower ourselves. We can be a very sex positive and open person and not be having sex with anybody else at all. 
but I don't shame myself for my own sexuality. That is sex positivity to me. Mm, I love that and opening up the conversation around shame. And I feel like for a lot of people, that's kind of what has shut them off from their sexuality to begin with. And I I would really just love to have a conversation about that in terms of what you feel. Um, Obviously, I can imagine that you get some people wanting to, to work with you or ask you questions and things like that who feel quite shut off from their sexuality. What do you feel are like some of the common reasons that people tend to be so blocked or disconnected from their sexuality in the first place? I think that society has a lot to answer for here. Um, Society, capitalism and the patriarchy are always the things that I like to blame for our very, very shamed representation of sex. I think that the messages that we receive growing up throughout our lives from society, from media, from culture, from school, from family, they tend to make us believe that being a sexual person is wrong and bad and dirty and often we will internalize that ourselves and so sometimes we've picked something up and then we will kind of run with it and we'll almost like slut shame ourselves it's called internalized slut shaming and we'll stop ourselves from really dropping into deep pleasure really allowing ourselves to have that orgasm because what is that going to say about me if I am seen as a sexually liberated open woman or someone who enjoys sex even just the act of enjoying it can be deemed as shameful there's this really awful assumption that women in particular just don't like sex and they don't like it as much as men and that's just sort of accepted but I think it is very, very far from the truth and it's an incredibly frustrating thing to have to deal with. But the more liberated and open that you feel in your sexuality, like it just impacts everything. Everything in your life can get so much more beautiful and connected and vibrant when you allow yourself to really really reclaim your sexuality Mm, it's it's really interesting even you hearing talking about how for um people assume that you know a lot of women don't necessarily like um sex and I'm a straight woman but I also um know that there was a period of my time where I really did think and believe that sex and pleasure was exclusive to men and that pleasure was for the man and that when Mm. you have sex or when you're you know like fucking foreplay whatever it was all about the man and for me I had a lot um it was a lot easier for me to enjoy giving than it was for me to receive. But I also know there are some people that have the opposite where it's like they're okay receiving, but they don't really enjoy giving and things like that. So mm-hmm. I want to open up a conversation around oral sex because I think this will be a fun one for a lot of people. So starting with someone who more had a background like myself, where it, they very much were focused on pleasure for the other person. And obviously this doesn't have to be um, for heterosexual relationships or anything either, but giving when it comes to giving how can people get around it more where I feel like a lot of the time and I've had conversations with people where they feel like giving can be taken advantage of even though it's not and it's like consensual and and really obviously there's a lot that we can tap into and um I've done your is it BJ Queen is that what it's called yes it is have you done it I've I've done that 
Yeah, and everyone should buy it. I'm gonna link it in the show notes because it's like oh it's honestly so digestible as well. Like it's so easy to digest. So I just think there's so many like fun things like the fucking cock worship and all the things. But I would just love to open up a conversation around people who maybe have resistance to giving because they feel like it's not necessarily them being taken advantage of, but it's not like they they almost don't realize that it can be enjoyable for them as well. So what does it look like to make giving more enjoyable for you as well? So it's a enjoyable experience for both sides. I love this question and I love that you've done BJ Queen. That makes me so happy. Certified tongue tactician over here. (laughs) So (laughs) giving is, I think firstly we need to understand that with oral sex, with, with any type of sex, we have been conditioned to think that it is for the purpose of the man's pleasure. And it's very, very heterocentric how we as women, cisgendered women, get these messages conditioned into us that sex is for the man's pleasure. And it is our job to get a gold star, a tick of approval that we have made them come. And I can't tell you how many clients I've had who have said, oh, I couldn't make him come this one time and I felt really bad about myself. And I feel bad. I feel like I'm wrong if I haven't done that and I haven't achieved his orgasm. Yet we're not often talking about whether or not we've had the orgasm ourselves. Mm. Um, And I don't necessarily believe in orgasm-centric sex. I think it's more pleasure-centric is the focus and that's where I kind of like to sort of play in that realm. But so often we have this assumption that I'm doing a good job if I make them come or it is my job, my sole purpose is to make them come. And when they come, that's when sex is done. And we don't think about our own pleasure as much. Now, when we're thinking of oral sex and we're thinking of giving pleasure, it's actually really interesting because we can receive pleasure through giving Mm. and we can give pleasure through receiving. So the act of me going down on you is it can be two ways. Firstly, I'm giving that person is receiving. They're like, oh my gosh, yay, I'm so excited to be getting this blowjob, for example. Um, And I could also be taking so much pleasure because I get to give this pleasure. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing that I get to provide this pleasure or this is actually a really fun experience for me and I'm getting turned the fuck on by giving pleasure. And so it's a two-way thing Um, and there's actually a a bigger conversation called the wheel of consent and there's actually four different quadrants about um, giving and receiving. And I actually have, I didn't even plan this, but I have a little flyer here, a little poster actually. (laughs) Not that you can see it on the podcast, but um, there's four quadrants here. So you've got the four sides where you're doing, they are doing, you're giving and it's for them they're receiving and it's for you. So if you're doing and receiving, that's called taking. If you're doing and you're giving to them, it's called serving. Then we've got they are doing and they're giving and it's for them. That means you're allowing. If they're receiving and they're doing, it's accepting. So there's a lot more to that, but essentially if you're going down on someone, it can be anyone's pleasure. And it's not all just very stark give and take that I'm going down on you and that must be for you and therefore it's degrading. I think so often we have this very, very twisted view that going down on someone is degrading 
to us. And it, it's very heterocentric when we're thinking of like blowjobs and like, oh, that's only for the man and it's not for the woman. I used to feel this way too. When I first started, you know, my sexual debut and I started exploring, I was not into blowjobs. I didn't like feeling pressured. I didn't like having my head pushed down. Um, It just felt really awful. I wasn't into it. I didn't feel confident at all around a penis. I was like, oh, what if I do it wrong? Um, I'd heard all these horror stories. And it wasn't until I started getting more confident in my own sexuality that I was like, oh, this is so hot. I actually get turned on by doing this. This is so much fun for me. And that's kind of what led me to then create the courses that I created in Tongue Tactics, BJ Queen and Pussy Pro, because it can be so pleasurable to provide someone else with pleasure. I think that's why I love your tongue tactics courses so much because I feel like for a lot of people and like everything gets to be perfect and everyone's looking for different things at different times in their journey. But I feel like there's a lot of people doing the education from a lens of how to pleasure your partner more, which we fucking want that, right? Like we all want our Mm -hmm. partner to experience more pleasure. But I feel like you have this beautiful duality within your courses where a lot of it is centered on how do you bring more pleasure to your partner, but equally, how do you receive more pleasure whilst giving? And, And it's a really it feels really like it's about both parties and and I just absolutely love that and it's interesting because I feel like when you were speaking before and you know a lot of the things around just the relationship dynamics and sex being more for men and things like that and you know feeling like you need to make them come in order for you to get that gold star and I have done so much work around my sexuality, sex. My partner and I felt like we had a really good, healthy sex life, sex dynamic, all the things, everything. Like they never felt like it wasn't a problem, right? And it wasn't until somewhat recently-ish, my partner brought in the conversation around wanting to start practicing semen retention. And I was like, yep, cool. I'm all for that. Let's go. Um, and then we did that. And I noticed sometimes when he he wasn't coming and I was like, oh, why does something feel unfair? finished and I was like I thought I had like transcended beyond that and it was really interesting had we not started doing that and bringing that into our relationship I wouldn't have noticed that there was still a little bit of old conditioning for me that like the job wasn't done and I'm doing that in air quotation marks the job wasn't done if he didn't come so I think it's really cool having a conversation around this and and even what you said being more pleasure focus as well rather than just like kind of like the outcome focused but bringing Mm -hmm. that into the other lens then so for someone who doesn't have a problem giving, they can get around that, they enjoy that. However, they feel really resistant yeah. receiving. So that was more me. What do you feel uh, can allow people to open up to feel more safe to receive as well? Mm, this is such a beautiful question. And I think that there are a lot of people who struggle with this as well because it is an incredibly vulnerable thing um, to be naked with someone in general in the mm-hmm. first place, to then have them in between your legs, face in between your legs, seeing your genitals, which is only something that, you know, a very few amount of people get to see. And especially as women, but for everyone, all genders, we have so much conditioning about the perfect genitals and what they're meant to look like, taste like, smell like. And so it's no wonder that sometimes we can have insecurities. So that can definitely play a big role if we have some kind of, for example, vulva shame or penis shame and we worry about what our partner's going to think. Um, I think it is also just a a matter of not feeling worthy of pleasure and 
feeling like, oh no, but I should be giving them pleasure and like, oh, what about them? I think so often we can't relax into receiving oral because we go, oh, oh, but what about them? Oh, aren't what if they're not enjoying this? And what if they are like bored right now? But really, you've got someone in between your legs. Allow them to be there. <laughs> Let yourself just have this permission that you deserve pleasure. And this person has their head in between your legs because they want to be there and they are prioritizing your pleasure. They believe that your pleasure is important as they should. And you need to believe that as well. It can be very, very vulnerable. um, But I definitely recommend starting if you feel like you have some of this difficulty in receiving, I would explore this outside of the bedroom. Um, So, allow yourself to receive help when someone says, oh, can I get that for you? Or, oh, do you need help opening that? Or do you need a hand bringing that in from the car? Or like whatever it is, anything throughout the day, allow yourself to say yes. Like, yes, thank you. That would be lovely. And let yourself actually ask for help. Let yourself receive a compliment, a gift, anything like that. And then you can take it in closer to yourself and you can start to explore with your own body parts and throughout your own self-pleasure practice, some mirror work, like actually looking and seeing and starting to develop a relationship with your own genitals can be really, really powerful to feel more comfortable in the moment when you have a lover down trying to give you pleasure. Mm, I think this is this is beautiful and again coming into the theme of like both get to be good like when when you're receiving it gets to be a really beautiful experience and you don't have to go into the they're not enjoying it they're bored it's like knowing that they can be getting pleasure from giving you pleasure and vice versa which is which is a really cool conversation and bringing that into I feel like when it comes to pleasure with oral something that especially for women is that women can be more likely to to come through receiving oral than penetrative sex and I feel Mm -hmm. like a lot of women can shame shame themselves if they're not coming through um you know actual traditional intercourse and things like that what's your view around like orgasm different kinds of orgasm whether we there's like something quote-unquote wrong if we're not um you know coming through penetrative sex and things like that as well so this is honestly a lot of biology and Everybody's vulva and vagina is sort of shaped and situated slightly differently. And so there are some people who have the capacity to come from a clitoral touch within a matter of seconds. Um, Other people, penetrative sex is accessible. Other people, it's not as easily accessible. And it really has to do with the location of our G-spot, the depth of our vaginal canal, the positioning of our clitoris, um, and also just the, the anatomy itself. So the actual vaginal canal isn't as innervated, which means it doesn't have as many nerves um, within it. And the purpose behind that is that we give childbirth and that's already as painful as it is. Um, And if we had as many nerve endings inside the vaginal walls, inside the vaginal canal, as we do in the clitoris, it would be out of control. And so the clitoris is really like the main part of um, our anatomy that experiences pleasure everywhere can be orgasmic. Your entire body can be orgasmic. Your elbow could be orgasmic. 
when you build that up. But if we're talking about the genitals in particular, the clitoris is key. And so it's really, really important uh, when we're thinking about penetrative sex of any kind, whether that be fingers, um, dildo or a penis, we need to take our time to warm ourselves up. So the way that I explain this is it's not often that you're going to try and have sex with a flaccid penis, right? <laughs> you know, you can, you can experience a lot of pleasure with a flaccid penis. So I have told, but it's not the same. It's not going to enter as easily because it's not hard. It's not erect. It's not filled with blood yet. And with men and people with penises, it's generally not that um, that long that it takes for the penis to fill with blood and for that erectile tissue to go, boom, ready to go, let's go. However, we also have our own erectile tissue and that is within the clitoris, the vestibular bulbs which are underneath and they kind of have a little arch around the vaginal canal. But essentially, we also have this erectile tissue and we have these things called vestibular bulbs that create this archway around the vaginal canal. Now, most of the time they are like a penis and they are just flaccid and they're just dangling around and they're not filled with blood. They're not hard or erect. Mm. But when we get sufficiently aroused, and the key word is sufficiently, when we get sufficiently aroused, they will fill with blood and they will become erect essentially. And that is what causes um, the pleasure from penetration. If we aren't sufficiently aroused, then it's essentially like we are flaccid. We're not erect. We don't have the capacity to feel as much pleasure. So that's why we need to take our time. The clitoris is so much more than just that little pearl that we see externally. It goes all the way underneath within our um, vulva and underneath our inner and outer labia. And so the whole clitoris needs to be stimulated and Often when we think of the G-spot, people think, oh my God, where's the G-spot? How do I find my G-spot? It's just the behind the scenes of the clitoral urethral network. It's just another zone. It's not necessarily its own little spot. It's just the behind the scenes. So if we're stimulating that as well as the front, the glands of the clitoris on the outside, then that can kind of trigger even more pleasure. But if we don't have sufficient clitoral stimulation, it's not as likely that we'll experience those vaginal deep internal orgasms. It's possible, but it does take a little bit more um, mind-body connection. Yeah. I feel like it's so interesting because it's really normalizing how everyone's going to have different experiences. I know even for me, I struggle to... like, and I will, but it's like less likely for me to orgasm just from external clitoral stimulation. I almost need both. Like I need both simultaneously. And like, that's what works well for me. And like, everyone's obviously going to have different experiences and it's not making, you know, your body or your way wrong. And there's also obviously things that you can do to explore, to enhance the likelihood of you having orgasm in other ways. Like even what you said, like building up to the point that like your elbow (laughs) can feel orgasmic. Yeah, that would be a little bit fun. Like, I feel like that would be a good, good way of going through life. So um, I would love to open up a conversation around for people that maybe are wanting to begin exploring their sexuality or not even their sexuality, but 
open up more within their sex life and explore Mm -hmm. more and maybe let's play into the realm of people who have a partner yet maybe Mm -hmm. conversations like that aren't yet normalized within the relationship what can it look like for people to start opening up conversations and maybe start taking I guess like baby steps towards you know experiencing more in the bedroom and you know broadening what it can look like for them and their partner as well Yeah, I think that communicating about sex outside of the bedroom is a really, really powerful key. Just allow it to be part of your regular conversation. It doesn't have to just be limited to when you're having sex or you're in the bedroom and it's about to happen. But um, talk about the different things that you would like to explore together. Um, There's some really great card games out there. I actually actually have one next to me as well. I have so many things around my desk that are relevant. Um, So like card games, like questions about sex or sex talk um, that you can play um, on a fun date night together. They can be really great to sort of start the conversation around sex and what you want to try together. There's also really great tools like sexual desire lists or yes, no, maybe lists where you can both go through in your own time and you can circle the things that you want to try, the things Um, that you're definitely into maybe into absolutely not into and then you can kind of compare notes and see where you do match up and it can be a really fun thing to kind of like put on the agenda and like oh yeah next week we're gonna try this or oh I'm so excited for us to go and purchase this pleasure tool to try together just sort of allow yourself to have this conversation regularly about what you want to try and remember that if your partner is suggesting that we try something else it's not a reflection of I have been bored out of my brain ever since um, the start until now and now I want to try Mm. something different because you're boring it's Mm. let's grow together let's explore together because I want to explore with you because I trust you and I feel connected to you and I think we have potential to experience even more pleasure together you know it's really really important that we we frame it correctly, that it's not an insult. We're not trying to um, badmouth you or say that in the past it wasn't good and I want to do something else because it's been boring. It's just an an invitation. I think a, a cool word that you used in there, such a simple word, but I think it was very powerful is regularly. The word regularly, you said, yeah. you know, making those a regular part of conversations. And I think for a lot of people, they might have this really scary conversation and they have it one time and mm-hmm. then they stop talking about it. And so of course it starts feeling like this big fucking scary monster every time you're going to bring up a really vulnerable conversation with your partner. And that's why things like the cards can be so good. And I know even something my partner and I have done before is like the BDSM test online and like you know just it's like you do it I'll do it let's just see what our responses are and I think just Mm -hmm. like having talking points which which normalize that which is really cool and even within that I feel like some people who aren't in a relationship can feel like it's harder for them to have their needs met during sex because they're like oh well I don't have you know a partner or I don't have a significant person where we're building a relationship and we can talk about it and find each other's likes and dislikes and so I feel like for a lot of people who aren't in a relationship they can almost dismiss their own sexual needs because they think that they can't be met in dating or even you know 
one-off experiences, whatever it is that they, they're playing in. What yeah. do you feel it can look like for people who, whether it's like one-off experiences, whether it's like ongoing dating, what can it look like for people to open up and get more needs met during sex in those kind of dynamics as well? Yeah, I think that it's really important just to get into the general practice of advocating for your own pleasure, mm. you know, really recognizing that your pleasure is important and it's not all about the goal and their their satisfaction only, but yours is very important as well. Um, and so allowing yourself to speak up, if something isn't working for you and if it's just a one-off encounter, you don't have to just sort of put up with it and wait for it to be over, like actually sort of express like, oh, let's change positions. I'd like this or a little bit slower, please. You know, that's okay for you to speak up. Um, I also am of the opinion that I think that casual sex can be such a fun place to play in and to explore with different people. Um, I think that because of the orgasm gap, when we're looking at especially in um, straight sort of hetero relationships or encounters, often women aren't coming as much and they're not experiencing as much pleasure in a one-off encounter when it's casual sex. And so I am definitely um, of the opinion that having a regular sexual partner, whether that is, um, it doesn't have to be someone who you're in a relationship with, but you just have like a regular, you know, hookup with them, friends with benefits, whatever it is. I think that can be so much more supportive of your sexual exploration and satisfaction than just one-offs here and there, because you get to build that relationship in a way. It doesn't have to be a relationship that is turning into something serious and long-term, but it's just like, you understand my needs. I feel comfortable advocating for my pleasure with you because I know that we're going to have regular sex. Mm. I think that's a really, really great way to go about it. And that's kind of what my approach now, um, I'm semi-single, <laughs> not sure, we'll see, um, <laughs> at the moment. But, um, you know, in, in recent times, instead of just sort of having hookups, it never really served me that well. I preferred to have ongoing casual sex with, you know, a, a couple different people, you know? Mm. Yeah, I love that because it's like, I, I feel like it's getting rid of like slut shaming story that there's anything wrong with having casual hookups. There's nothing wrong with that. And it can be no. fun. But also like, I do believe that having something a little bit more ongoing, it does allow you deeper exploration with that per person, which for pleasure purposes can be really, really beautiful as well. And with that, and this applies for relationships, dating, whatever, aftercare. And I love that this is something that you speak about because I remember a time that I didn't even know that was a fucking thing. Can we just open up the conversation around aftercare for people who maybe are just like, what does aftercare with sex even mean? What does that actually look like and why is it important? Aftercare is so, so beautiful and it's an absolute game changer. Uh, it should happen after every sexual encounter ever, regardless of if it is casual, one-off, or you've been in a relationship for 30 years. Aftercare comes from the world of BDSM. And so in that world, uh, there's often what they call scenes. Um, so they might do a scene and it might be impact play or degradation or something, whatever it is. Um, and they'll have these very clear boundaries and consent sort of in place. And a huge part of the BDSM culture is that you need to have aftercare 
after that scene so that you can come back and remember that you are respected, that you are cared for. You can bring your heart rate back down. You can bring your nervous system back to a really nice place so that you feel centered, grounded, calm and collected and connected to your partner. And so it's a really, really key practice um, that all people in the kink sort of BDSM world are very familiar with. And what's so nice is that it is now part of the bigger conversation in uh, sexuality in general. And so aftercare is simply about connecting with one another after sex. So rather than, you know, just getting up and going, okay, cool, I'm going to throw that condom in the bin and I'm going to go have a shower and you're just like left laying in the middle of the bed in a sweaty heap and you suddenly feel like this person was a couple of minutes ago inside you and now they're way far away. Um, it's about connecting, staying close. It's about caring for one another. Do you need some water? Um, do you want to have a shower together? Let's like watch something together. Let's cuddle. Let's have a chat. Let's talk about, you know, the things that we enjoyed about that, some things that we want to try again next time. Um, it's even, it can even flow on to the next day, a simple little text check-in. Hey, that was so fun. How are you feeling? Um, it's just about, it, it is honestly just common decency, I think, and respect, checking in, making sure that your lover and you both feel safe and connected and not like you've just been used for your body only. It's actually called postcoital blues and it can happen at any point and it happens to most people at some point in their lives where they feel almost this sense of abandonment and sadness post-sex and if we've just had this amazing fun sexual orgasmic experience together to feel that disappointment and that sadness afterwards um, is such a shame. And one way that we can kind of combat that is with aftercare. And I think it's just a way to just offer simple respect and connection and common decency with your partner. So aftercare is key. Every single sexual experience should involve aftercare, please. Isn't it so funny that something that should be common decency isn't actually normalized and even as you said something as simple as like do you need water or like do you want to cuddle and things like that and I think just taking more time and intentionality to actually be able to you know look after the person that you've just been intimate with as well and seeing how that can help you feel supported as well what do you feel happens when what two people's needs are feel different so if one partner's like oh I feel like I need I I need like space I need air and the other person's like oh but I want to cuddle and things like that what can conversations look like so that both parties can feel that their needs are met even when what their needs are feel quite different from each other I think it all just comes down to clear communication because let's like think about what is someone going to potentially assume from x y or z behavior so if i'm someone that requires cuddles and connection after sex but my partner needs some space i might assume that my partner doesn't care about me and my partner might assume like wait i was just all up on you and you want to keep going, I that feels stifling to me. And so it's important to understand where one another is coming from and to compromise there. So um, I do think that it is very important to maintain a connection, at least for 
you know, a matter of minutes, um, ideally like five minutes or something um, after sex to just actually stay connected and not just disconnect immediately because there's a lot of energy going on um, during sex and we don't want to disconnect too soon. But if your partner is like, I actually need some space or like, I'm just really hot and I can't like stay close to you right now because it's like unbearable. (laughs) Um, They just explain that and say like, I really care about you. I just really need like a little bit of space now um, and compromise on after this amount of time, I'll come back and I'll give you a nice little cuddle or something like that. Just, just be really, really clear about what you need you know I I know for me I sleep awfully next to someone um I need my space um and someone that I'm dating at the moment she's a huge cuddler and wants to cuddle me constantly throughout the night and I'm like I feel like I'm kind of ventilating I need my space um because I'm used to starfishing in the middle of the bed by myself yeah um and so it's just about communicating like okay I love cuddling you. It's so much fun. However, <laughs> there's times where I just actually can't do it because it, it's just, it's just not how I operate. Yeah. It's not about you. And so having those clear conversations, it can be hard, but it's so, so worth it because then you can actually feel comfortable and safe at the end. Everyone just wants to feel like safe and desired and cared for at the end of the day I love that and even something for me that's like enough is like okay you can have all the space but can you just like put a toe on me (laughs) yeah yeah can you just like have one bit of skin touching like one little finger and then I feel like there's a connection and and that's like enough for me so I I think that's really cool what do you think when it comes to aftercare with self-pleasure is that is that important or is it more like something when you're being sexual with other people does it still matter when it's just with yourself Oh, absolutely. I think um, it, it's wildly important when it's with ourselves. It's the same thing. You know, we develop this big rush of energy. All of our sort of energetic centers are open. We feel really connected to ourselves. And if we suddenly just go, okay, cool. I just came, boom, I'm done. I'm going to like move on. It's kind of a big shift. And so it is really nice, even if you just sort of take some time to just sort of place your hands on your body, um, just kind of like, you know, have a little moment, bring your energy sort of back in. That can be really, really powerful. Just try to make the transitions a bit more smooth and seamless as opposed to rushing from one thing to another. You know, just like when you come home from a really long busy day out and about and you come home and you sit in the driveway in your car for like five minutes because you're not ready to go inside yet you need to kind of like center yourself before the next thing Mm. that's kind of what we need in between sex like just take a minute to come back to yourself I think that is so powerful and like I love that time to just okay all of my energy is back to me. Okay, now I can move on with my day. I can go have a conversation with someone else, but I've taken that time and honored my own energy first. I think that's really beautiful. And I think something in that as well is it feels like shame can't coexist when there's presence and space with yourself. Like I know for, you know, a lot of people that will do self-pleasure and then it's like, okay, cool, come, done, let's go. There's a part where they're not kind of acknowledging what they just did also, which can be, you know, almost like that disassociation piece. But it's like for you to have a self-pleasure practice and then just be with yourself and have that aftercare afterwards, it's almost like shame can't coexist in that space. And I think 
think that's really beautiful with that too. I would love to know if someone's like in a position, they're like, okay, this whole new world, because this is obviously becoming so much more normalized. Like we're seeing so many more sex educators and sexuality coaches and, and, and so exciting. But if someone's listening to this right now and they're like, this is a whole new fucking world for me. Like me thinking about like enjoying giving pleasure, me thinking about being a sexual being, me thinking about like anything within what we've spoken about today. What are just some of the most basic and foundational steps or resources that you would direct someone towards to start being more open to their sexuality or sex practices? I think it's always so important to just start with yourself. Often when we are you know, following different accounts all about sex and pleasure and like, oh, they're talking about anal and they're talking about blowjobs and they're talking about all of this. It can feel like it's all about the other and all about partnered sex. But I think the most important part of exploring your sexuality and reclaiming your sexuality is about your relationship with your own sex Mm. and the sex that you have with yourself. And so when you prioritize that and you allow yourself to kind of remove any stories of shame that might be kind of lurking in the background of your psyche, um, start to work through those, reflect on what messages you might have received, explore your own body, give yourself permission to feel pleasure, have that moment after self-pleasure where if any of those shameful thoughts come in, because it's very common that we have that like, oh gosh, I did something wrong because we grew up having to hide it, right? So often we were like, oh gosh, I'm going to like lock the door and like quickly, you know, self-pleasure because I don't want to be caught it can, that stays with us. And so taking that time post self-pleasure to really come back to ourselves and affirm this is healthy. I I deserve pleasure. This is okay. Um, It's totally natural to start doing that. That helps your self-expression and your sexual exploration so much. It's less about the partnered sex and the external and the performative sort of side. It's more about the embodiment that that this is the angle that I generally tend to take. I believe in embodied sex as opposed to performative sex. And there's so much that you can explore with a partner. um, And there's so many fun things that you can try together. But if you haven't taken the time to really feel comfortable in your own sexual self-confidence, then there's only so far that you're going to be able to go with a partner. Mm, How would you describe the difference between performative versus embodied sex? Like, what does that mean to you? Mm, So this difference between performative and embodied is something that underpins everything I do, whether it's talking about sexuality, sensuality, lap dance um, that I teach as well. It's a huge difference between doing something in a way that I expect I should and for the benefit of someone else. So performative sex looks like I'm mimicking a porn star. I'm putting on a show. um, I am moaning and, you know, moving on certain angles and doing certain things because I'm trying to turn the other person on Mm. and I'm trying to get a good reaction from them. It's incredibly disconnected from my own sexuality, my own pleasure and my body. Whereas embodied sex looks like 
I'm connected to my body. I know what I desire and I will tune into my breath, my movement, my own sound. And I'm not going to stifle myself because there's a certain way that I think I'm trying to behave, but I just allow my body to express. And the more embodied you are in your sexuality, the more pleasure that you're going to experience. And I think so often um, sex can be seen as a performance and I'm trying to do it in a certain way because I want to turn them on. It's very other focused. But if we turn it back onto ourselves and this isn't about being selfish, it's just about prioritizing your own pleasure and then exploring that pleasure with your partner and how you can bring them pleasure as well. But it's not for approval or validation. Performative sex is for approval. It's for validation. It's have I done a good job? Did I make you come? And did I look like a porn star doing it? It's very disconnected. And I want us to have way more connected sex. That's what embodied sex is about. I love that. And I've actually never heard the articulation of the difference. And I think so many people will get value out of that and really just like catching themselves where they're falling more into the performative sex and where they can come back more into the embodied of that. And this is why I just like love conversation articulation because it brings language to things that we're maybe feeling or experiencing. And then it gives you a sense of, oh, I know what to do with that, which is just really cool. So I just feel like we've we've covered so many freaking topics today and it's been such a really, really good episode and I'm just so happy to be bringing out more things which is just normalizing these conversations. Before we go though, what have you got coming up? Where can people find you? How can they get in your world besides like tongue tactics because they should already be checking out that in the cart now? <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. If you would like to become either a BJ queen or a pussy pro, I've got both courses available for tongue tactics definitely check that out um they're for people of all genders so I'm bi so I I kind of dabble in both um but regardless of your gender whichever genitals you want to get down on you can explore that (laughs) um I've also got um a course that I recently created called send nudes which is all about the art of sensual self-portraiture that I'm really proud of um that is something that I highly recommend that everybody do go and take some sexy spicy selfies of yourself um seduce yourself in front of a mirror lead into a beautiful self-pleasure practice it's one of the most powerful things that you can do to own your sexuality so I'd love to encourage people to do that amazing thank you so much for coming on today we'll put the the things in the show notes for everyone as well so they can find them really easily but i appreciate your time it's been amazing thank you so much been my pleasure